See, I was gonna go with Mr. Pib. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark four, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is a man that I assume is wearing nothing but parkas, mucklucks, and you know beanies or toboggans or whatever people call the the warm hats that you put on your head. I call them toboggans for years, and then I switched to calling them beanies. But anyways, it's the one and only Leland from Aegis Brand Studios. What's happening, my guy? Not much, not much. I, I actually, I learned about the whole toboggan thing years ago. Uh, it really blew my mind. We had a foreign exchange student stay with us for a little bit, and she kept uh, referring to the toboggans we were wearing on the head. It was confusing the hell out of us. Yeah, well, so I lived in Michigan for a few years, or no, it was for a year back in the day as part of my Air Force stuff. And when I went up there, you know, I had a toboggan and I was like, oh, you know, I got a toboggan with a little ball on the top. You know, I don't know if you're a ball on the top or not guy. Are you, Leland? Love the pom-pom. Love the pom-pom. Yes, honestly. Who doesn't love the pom-pom? Anyways, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go get my toboggan. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, like your sled? I'm like, no, my thing that goes on my head, toboggan. And they're like, that's a sled, bro. And I was like, Mm-mm, not in the South, it ain't. Oh, you, you guys don't even have snow down there. So how, how are we supposed to know the nomenclature for everything, right? Yeah, no, we don't have snow. We have ice. It ices here. <laughs> so, oh, in some cases, that's almost worse. It, it really is because that is power lines down, tree limbs everywhere. And then you get those really, you know, just really smart people that think they know how to drive on ice. And they just end up in the ditch. They're called Dodge Ram drivers. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. I'm just going to throw in four wheel drive and just haul ass down the highway. Yeehaw! We actually had a major blizzard in the Niagara region uh, this past December. And uh, during the aftermath, when uh, when they were going out and, and checking everything, the vast majority of vehicles that they found out there that got stuck in the ditches were like, the, the massive SUVs and like the massive uh, V8 trucks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because they feel like they're <laughs> untouchable. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And they're all pavement princesses too, right? Like these these are trucks that you would never see doing a hard day's work. Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> so why they think that they'd be able to get through all this, no idea. Yeah, no idea at all. But uh, one final story about winter weather that I think is just funny so when I lived in Oklahoma for a short period of time, I've lived a lot of places. So I lived in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City for a short period of time. We had this like big blizzard that blew through and I was out there for training um, and this guy had a V8 Dodge Dakota, which they don't make anymore. And V8 Dodge Dakota was like a thing because it was a small truck with a V8 engine. So... This guy, it was a two-wheel drive truck, and he's out here, like, being trying to be a hero 
pulling people out of ditches and goes and gets himself stuck. It was just mm, chef's kiss funny. All right. Do you mind if I share one more? Let's have it. So years back uh, when I was living in, in Toronto, um, we got this massive, massive rainstorm that came in, just flooded the entire downtown. We have a we have an underground system called the Path, which is like an underground mall system uh, throughout downtown. There's a subway system, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, water was so high. Uh, I'm walking home from work that day because everything was just impossible to get a spot on, and I'm going past a uh, I'm going past a small little underpass where the subway goes above ground, crosses over the road, and then goes back underground. Some some idiot in a luxury car, I think it was like a Porsche or a Ferrari or something like that, tried to go underneath through the water uh, oh. under the bridge and got stuck halfway through. Oh no! Oh no! Tell me he came like swimming out or something. I didn't see him. I just saw the vehicle abandoned there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so. You know. Look, you know, just Mother Nature will make sure to humble you real quick is the moral of all these stories. Sure will. Yeah. So, Leland, today we have a bit of a fun show. I mean, I think every house party protocol is fun, if I'm being honest. But we have a bit of a fun show today because we're going to talk a little bit about Warfare Weekend that happened this past weekend. And then we're going to be just diving into a bunch of show questions that we've had kind of on the docket for a while. And it's one of those things where I'm kind of at a crossroads on how to address some of the reveals from the mini stravaganza, right? Like, and so I'm going to put it to the suits. Do y'all want me to go through and go ahead and start doing the house party protocol very, you know, review of the characters that came out through mini stravaganza? Or do y'all want me to wait on that stuff until we get a little further down the chain and do more stuff like this, maybe some more roster building stuff, maybe a little bit more um, competitive-minded stuff if I can find find the time to get through that kind of stuff. So y'all let me know. Send us messages over at uh, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Send me messages on Facebook, on Discord. Comment on the post. When I make the post about this, after you listen to it, let me know what you want. And uh, that way we can kind of go forward and all that fun stuff because uh, I just want to want to make sure to cover everything but also give the suits what they want here. So without further ado, Leland, let's talk about Warfare Weekend. You weren't there. However, it was a really good event and shout out to Tim for, for putting on a great event. And it's one of those things, Leland, where even though you weren't able to participate in this particular event. It was still a small and and like wholesome feeling event and everything. Do you guys have stuff like that up there where it's, I say small, it was still like 30 something people in the main event, but did it feel kind of, I don't know what's the word, but like just, it was just was a good vibe overall, I would say. And And do you guys have events like that up there? So there are there are a couple larger events. I don't get to sneak out to them very often because unfortunately they they tend to either be on times where I don't get to get out or you know a, a six hour drive up to Ottawa. Uh, but uh, we do have a couple of our uh, a couple of our local events hit thirty people quite regularly, and it is it's always a good time. Like it's, there's obviously competitiveness and there's some there's you know teeth around sharks in the water type thing. Um, but everyone, uh, generally speaking, seems to walk away from it having had a really great time, you know, just get to, get to meet people, get to know people and just 
yeah, just create those those friendships. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of where it was for me with Warfare Weekend. It's one of those events that I take it seriously in that I want to play and of course I want to win, but I also am not so like locked in as I am at something like NashCon or Adepticon where I'm like locked in. At least this is the way I look at it. And this event was really great because on Friday I was able to play in a Judgment Eternal Champions event, which if anyone that plays Judgment is listening to this, love that game. It's super fun. And if you don't know what Judgment Eternal Champions is, highly recommend you check it out. It's very fun. It's hex-based. It's less um it's it's less swingy than mcp is because the way the dice mechanics work and everything so highly recommend checking that out i love it i'll be playing a lot more of that in the future bought a whole bunch of stuff for it so you know that is what it is and then um the mcp event on saturday was a lot of fun and it was run where it was three rounds on saturday and two rounds on sunday and there's pros and cons to how you set up an event like that where you know there's going to be a day two because it's like how much do you do you put in one day versus the other day? Do you make a top cut? Do you do this? Do you do that? And I liked how this one was done because it allowed us a lot of time in the afternoon for that after round three time to kind of play some pickup games, to play some other games. You know, we played a ton of board games over the weekend, all that kind of stuff. And that's what this convention was about to me was just building those relationships going out. And we went to this place called Westport social. That was super fun, all that stuff. And, uh, I really like that kind of stuff. So it's what the, it's what the uh, conventions are really meant to be all about. Like, yeah, you go for the, you go for the competition and all that. You try to get that prestige of doing well, but it's all about just engaging in the hobby with a bunch of other, frankly, nerds, right? Like <laughs> yes. We, we go out to, to be to be with our own. Yes. And it's uh, that that's exactly why why you go out and do these things for those sort of stories and moments. Exactly. And in terms of how the games went and everything, I, I know the suits out there are are wondering how I did. I didn't have the best performance per se, so I went one and two, and I ended up dropping after round three just because I wanted to dip my toes into other waters, so to speak. And it's funny, I was mentioning Judgment. I actually gave a demo for like six people at once of Judgment Eternal Champions, and they all went and bought that game. <laughs> so, Hey, yeah. that, that's a sign of a good demo. Yeah, that is what it is. I, I, I felt super nervous about it, but I was like, you know, here we go. This is the demo, this is the game. But anyways, so... I went one and two. My first round matchup was against Hellfire Club with the Web Warriors. We played on the Extremis and Cube Fragments. And it was a game where I jumped out to an early lead, you know, Web Warriors, grabbing all the objectives, all that stuff. So, and if you're doing the math, we played at 17 threat because both of those are 17 threat. And ASM did a ton of work for me. And Spider-Woman did a ton of work. Toad was doing work. Everybody was just doing their job. But my opponent had that swing turn, came back, got really close, and I had to kind of put it away at the end and make sure I was able to succeed further. And I won that matchup, but it felt a lot closer than I think the final score ended up being. 
And then in my second round matchup, similar thing, except I was playing against Spider Foes. So a classic matchup, which I thought was pretty fun. And we played at 18 threat, which was a bit of an awkward threat value I found for the Web Warriors in that I wanted to play like super wide and we played on hammers and scoundrels. So I also felt advantaged there, even though hammers was a a crisis that I didn't love to play because I felt like letting my opponent do more damage would be difficult. But we were able to to kind of, like I felt like it was good because like that's nine points available on the board, right? And if I can play a little wider and I have access to Miles, Spider Woman, the Black Cat with her steel, that can kind of swing games around a little bit. And so that matchup ended up, my opponent won 19 to 16. But again, I jumped out to a very fast early lead. And my opponent and I both actually played a very clean game, very few mistakes. And especially my opponent, he he did exactly what he needed to do at the right times. And there's a question we're going to look at here in just a little bit, but I feel like this is kind of a precursor to that question of like, there was a moment in the game where things swung in my opponent's advantage. And it is one of those things where it just be like that sometimes. And to give you the long and short of it, basically Miles had two hammers and I know Merzane out there is like, why do you have two hammers on one character? I know he doesn't like doing that because it makes them a target, blah, 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 but it is what it is. Yeah. It's more fun. You can punch bigger, (laughs) throw big numbers. Monkey brain goes fun. Exactly. And not only that, but like sometimes you just have to get those objectives out of there and it's just the only character that's around to grab them. So is what it is. Miles had two hammers He's kind of away, close to Mysterio, who's on the middle scoundrel, but Mysterio has to move in order to attack Miles, and he does, and Miles whips his defense roll, or no, I'm sorry, Miles actually had a pretty good defense roll, he rolled three successes, Mysterio, with his four dice hypnosis cast, had five successes, and Miles had two health left at this point, so he dazes. And it was one of those things where it was a very, that moment was the turning point of the game because if he hadn't have gotten miles in that moment, there was pretty much nothing he could have done to stop me from winning on the next round. Like I wasn't going to win that round, but the subsequent rounds would have made it to where he couldn't get to me or you catch up. And it's one of those things where that's what I love about this game. Even though that moment kind of shifted the the narrative of the match, I loved that that happened because it was a very cinematic thing. Like Miles is over there a little beat up and Mysterio kind of, you know, does a little trick. And I think about it like in the movie when they're in that construction site and Mysterio is just really messing with Peter and ends up, Peter gets end up hitting by the train. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just something completely unexpected happens and throws the whole thing off. And yeah, I I know those feelings quite well. And it's it's really hard to look back at those and be angry at them. Yeah, like for for everything that happened because it's just like on it's just so cool. 
at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Like uh, it, like if I if I can share like a little a little anecdote as well, and people will be able to see this in an upcoming battle report. I was playing a game with a local guy recently that we were filming, and he has his guardians on the table. And I'm trying to take down Star-Lord, who only has like one or two stamina remaining. So I throw an attack at him, and he rolls zero successes. Like, it's all blanks and hits. And uh, he's about to, like, give up and just accept that Star-Lord's down. I'm just like, hey, man, plucky attitude. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. reroll. You, you got no shields. So he plucky attitudes, and he gets every single success under the sun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's just like, what just happened here? Yeah. That's wild. I love, and that's the thing. Stuff like that's just wild to me, you know. But it was such a good match. Like I left that table like stressed, obviously from from this really tight match. But also with that, just man, MCP is in the right spot. Feeling now, and that's only, and then that's only one small match, right? Like that's only one thing, and it is. It's one little anecdotal thing. But of like, like that's one of those moments that could have frustrated me, but that's just the game. That's that's the game, right? Is you play a tight game, no one's really making too many mistakes, and then the dice just just do a thing. But I don't blame the dice for how that game turned out. Like I still had opportunities, it was just more difficult, but it was that moment that made that game memorable and enjoyable. And it really reminds me of kind of the original pitch for this game of cinematic moments on the tabletop, because that's what that felt like was a very cinematic moment, even in a big event like this. Oh, for sure. For sure. And like, that's, that's exactly the type of experience you want to walk away from with a game. Exactly. And then my third round happened and, uh, Shout out to uh, Vince from Alfredo's Size Free Taco Truck. He and I uh, got a match in in round three. And um, yeah, no, I, he decimated me. You know, I didn't do myself any favors. I'll, I'll admit I, I made some very questionable tactical choices. Um, but needless to say, his shield decided that the Web Warriors needed to not breathe anymore. And they didn't. Ooh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did not. So, long story short, we played on Demons and Paranoia, which was a last-minute change from my roster. I added in Paranoia, and we played at 16 Threat. And I added Paranoia in there after some discussion on Friday night with some guys because it can score so fast. Like, I didn't like the damage aspect of it, but the fast-scoring nature kind of seemed good. So we're playing on Demons and Paranoia, and... First tactical error I made was I brought Immortal Hulk. I just really like playing Immortal Hulk. He's not for every scenario, I'll tell you that. So for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to play with Immortal Hulk yet, he is not a set-it-forget-it missile. He can be very good. He can do a lot of good things. But he is not without thought, if that makes sense. I mean, (laughs) it's Hulk, so I guess without thought of that, but you know. No, no, for sure. Like, Immortal Hulk is one of those characters where uh, if the other person knows how to deal with Hulk, he loses a lot of what makes him scary. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where my thought process behind bringing Immortal Hulk, so my my heart said, bring ASM and Toad, 
right? Like, so my, my idea was take Miles, Gwen, and Black Cat as a nine threat core and then ASM and Toad to make my 16. And I, at the last minute, I was like, oh, nah, man, I, we're playing on demons. I don't want to get incinerated here. Let me bring Hulk because maybe this makes sense. But ultimately, I still needed to play within the framework that I had set up of fast scoring, mobility, and having ASM be an early activation to go grab an objective and get out of there. You know what I mean? Like that was that's that's what I needed to continue to play into. Like I had been playing into it. I just didn't. And so that was a bit of a mistake there. And then once it was like, okay, well, I'm kind of committed now. How do I go about trying to secure these objectives while not dying? And uh, yeah, it was just run to the midline and grab and pray for the dice. And needless to say, um, you know, bullseye, he never misses. So that's a thing. Oh, yeah. And then Nick Fury and his grunts were like, yeah, cool. We're going to kill things, too. And then, you know, my Immortal Hulk was able to kill Hoff and the boys. Seven threat versus three threat seems like a fair trade. <laughs> that's also one of the uh, one of the things that if you run into a shield roster, if you give them one big juicy target to shoot at, they they love it. When they don't have to spread their shots around, they can just get so much value out of one target. Oh, for nope. sure. For sure. Yeah. And ultimately, Vince and I talked about it afterwards. I enjoyed the game. It was fast. Like, it, it's one of those things where if you haven't played someone who is familiar with playing on clock, and, and that's another thing is we were playing with chess clocks. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you haven't played someone who's familiar with playing on clock and that plays at a very fast pace, it can be, um, it, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a negative experience. We'll be very, very, very clear about that. But it can be, where you're trying to keep pace with them instead of worrying about that you're just keeping your own clock in your head. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can understand that. I've never had personally had to play on clocks before, but it's uh, it definitely looks like an interesting experience. And uh, people who know how to sort of work around that time get that get their thought process figured out when uh, in in a way that doesn't eat up all their time as well. It's just you can really see the. Uh, the skill level in that particular instance. Yeah. And that was just it. You know, it's, he's a very skilled player and he, he played a very, very good game. And you know, the, the re-rolls that had been serving me well up to that point decided to quit serving me and the spider senses, they were not tingling very much. And uh, yeah, I mean, he set himself up for, for great success and uh, took me down pretty hard in that one, but it was a really fun game overall. And I learned a lot about just kind of when you're playing within a framework of of like what you design your roster to be and then you talk yourself into doing something different that's when things can go awry and and that was a big lesson for me in that matchup and additionally in the idea of okay I don't need to match his output I just need to put myself in a position where his he's not going to have as good a targets and shields matchups into web warriors that's a slight advantage to the web warriors kind of in a vacuum with the mobility aspect that the web warriors have because if i can force him to only shoot me one time that's a win for me so right you know and playing into that and and playing a little wider saying okay cool you're gonna you're gonna get this one but you're not gonna get these other three or whatever and and playing within that i think is something that i need to work on and 
overall though it was a really fun event i played some good games of mcp played a lot of a lot of good games overall met a lot of cool people we uh we met the uh not online ben graham win and then the bob came out and hung out with us and everything and then we got a, a new sign up for the discord um this stamps he's a, a local here that, that i know very well so he came and hung out with us so that was a lot of fun it was just this is all a really good time you know got to hang out with nate and um you know i can tell you Nate can saw some logs. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, so I, I actually got a question for you. Yeah, from up? your from your uh, experience here, because it's not something a lot of people get to experience. Uh, you got paired against uh, against Vince from the uh, the Taco Truck, uh, arguably one of the the most well known players in the MCP community. Oh yeah. What what was your mental state going into that match? Because you know Vince is a good player, you know he like he knows what he's doing and all that. He's got the prestige behind him, having uh, one LVO. Um, yeah, like where where was your mind on the mental game on that one? Uh, so there's a few factors for it, and this I appreciate this question, Leland. It's actually a really good question. The fact that I was just coming off a very high pressure match that I had lost with that Spider Foes match that I felt like I had chances to win, but it just quite didn't quite go the way I needed it to was very kind of like, you know, whiplash from that a little bit. Right. And then when I see I'm paired against Vince, Vince and I played a game of guild ball years ago at warfare weekend. And it was a similar thing where I was pretty fresh in the competitive scene of guild ball. And you know, he decimated me. I learned a lot from that game. It made me a better guild ball player, all that kind of stuff. Right. So playing Vince, I also know that Vince is a more skilled player than I am. It's one of those things where I know what my skill level is, and I also know what my personal skill ceiling is just because of how I play the game, how I approach roster building, how I approach the competitive environment. So I know, I feel like I know what my skill ceiling is. Like there's a switch that I could maybe flip one day to increase that ceiling, but I don't know if I want to flip that switch. All that to say, Vince is a better player than I am and probably will ever be. So I was definitely a little intimidated in that way, but I also know that Vince is is a kind opponent and I know that he is he is nice and that he is a I'm going to learn a lot from this match regardless of how it goes. And that's exactly what happened. But I I'm to say I wasn't like a little like oh man, I'm about to get blown off the board, which is what happened. To say I didn't have that mindset going into it, I mean, I definitely did. I definitely did. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's, I think that's a great thing for people to know because I think a lot of people um, will, will get into a situation like that and they'll almost kind of defeat themselves before they even get into the game. Um, I, I actually remember uh, not too long ago having a game with a local player who uh who we threw down and before we even got started because uh, he was just like oh yeah well you know i guess i guess i'm gonna be ready to lose to you so i just i'm just gonna see how i lose i'm like man come on you, you might not lose you might you might take this you never know it is a dice game things happen yeah um but it's always i i want to ask the question because i think it's always really important to never try to psych yourself out because this is this is a dice game like yes players there are really talented and skilled players out there but you if you go into it you're confident in your decisions you can still put in a good fight 
And there's still always a chance that you can win as long as you're not making sort of like weird potato decisions, right? Oh, yeah. And and uh, uh, and, and take something away from it. Talk yeah. to them. Learn about them. Like if there was if there was a, something that happened in the game where like, well, what if I had done this instead? Like get the get that sort of feedback, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we did talk about it after the fact. And, and like I said, the big, biggest potato decision that I made was putting Hulk on the board. And then it forced me into a position of, I have to move up and go after these objectives with squishier characters. And I was, I should have, I should have made a lot of different decisions. And that is, that's just it. I think I psyched myself out a little bit before we even rolled dice because I was like, okay, I need to have some big, big juicy target and all that stuff. But then again, like the, I even said this when I was building the roster, like I think Immortal Hulk's really good. And I think that, the idea of like the distraction Carnifex factor is real, but you also have to put it in perspective when you're playing models like that, that they can only do so much, right? Like yep. they're only going to be able to, to daze, kill, whatever, so much. They only get their two actions, right? And especially with the, the way Immortal Hulk functions, he only gets to do as far as he can, he can move, you know what I mean? And like, so if, if you're able to put your people in a position where Hulk has to leap and then move and then get an action, you're already ahead of that curve. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've just denied one seven dice attack at the very least. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's one of those things. And he shocked my immortal Hulk pretty early on too with, um, Somebody, uh, but either I, I way, he, did he have Hawkeye in the roster? Yeah, he had Hawkeye. It was probably Hawkeye. Yeah. So, so it's one of those things where like all of the decisions that I made were, were certainly putting myself on the back foot and I realized it kind of as we went, but it also was that like, you know, like <laughs> Vince played a great game, man. Vince played a great game and, and he did what exactly what he needed to do within the framework of our matchup to be successful. And I definitely would love to have a rematch with him sometime so that I can like say, okay, cool. You know, let's play this game with the perspective of I'm not trying to get in my own head about it, which is, I mean, I do that. I've talked about that many times on this podcast of like, just sometimes it's really easy to get in your own way. And it's just like you said of like psyching yourself out about something or, or whatever, it's really easy to do those kind of things. Oh, for sure. For sure. So. And it's, I mean, it is part of the mental game and all that sort of stuff, but in the end, always remember that the vast majority of people you're playing with at a competition or even just in your local, they're there to play and have a fun time too. Right. Oh yeah. Like you're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna run into those tryhards, the people who just, they're just in it to win, you know, they're going to use whatever, whatever they can to do it. But the vast majority of people are great individuals who they're just looking to have a fun time, throw some dice, and see those big numbers go up, right? Exactly. Exactly. So the final thing I want to talk about with Warfare Weekend is the chess clocks aspect of it. So each player had 45 minutes, which I I think for MCP, it's that's it, I never had a clock problem. Like both, ever, all of my matches were fine on clock all that stuff i do think you could make an argument for like 50 minutes i know that's only five more minutes but 50 minutes per side and then you pause during the cleanup phase power phase all that stuff just 
I don't, but, but I will say this though. I really liked playing on the clock. I, I need to be better about it. And I was talking to some of our locals here is like, I want to play on clock here more often so that I do get better at that decision-making quicker because I was making good decisions, but at times it was taking me a while. And then also remembering to hit the clock, like just remembering to mm. move over and hit that clock in various instances definitely cost me. Like we've, we played on my clock in more than a couple matches uh, a few times. You know what I mean? Oops. <laughs> yeah. But I like, yeah, I, I've, I've heard that from a lot of people that, uh, that getting into that habit of hitting the clock is, is a tricky one. Yeah. And, and it's in MCP, it's a difficult balance to say, okay, cool. I'm going to do this thing. Do you have a response? Boom. You hit the clock while they decide whether they have a response or not. And I think that you have to kind of balance that of like, do you have anything you want to do? And like, if they're waffling, 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 then you hit that clock. And then it kind of like, all right, now I really got to make a decision here. Instead of just like, do you have anything you want to do? Boom. No, I don't. Boom. You know what I mean? I think there's got to be some like balance in that. And I, I saw that there was during all of my matches is it wasn't like a, do you have anything you want to do? And my opponent instantly hits the clock. It was, do you have anything you want to do? No, I'm good. Or hang on a second. And if I'm like, hang on a second, then it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to hit the clock over to your side, take a couple seconds, decide, you know, but I, I actually really, really liked the chess clock aspect of it. Cause it kept me honest as a person who tends to be very deliberate. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's no, my two excellent. cents on the chess clocks argument and suits. That's a point of questions that I would love to hear from you guys because the chess clock thing is a big topic within MCP. And so I would love to hear your perspective on this because it's one that my stance has changed a little bit more recently and, and it's all due to just the games you play and all that different stuff. But I, think that the clock situation is one that we should certainly evaluate at events and uh yeah i, I rather liked it so yeah yeah I, I i think it's i think it's definitely a good conversation because it also helps the event flow properly as well right you have far fewer people who are going over time it makes sure that all your massive event can can get to your next round on time and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's it's definitely a good topic to, to discuss yeah completely agree completely agree so with that though let's dive in on some show questions here, Leland, and we have oh so many, <laughs> and <laughs> we will not be able to get to all of them, but I do want to get to as many of them as possible, and I want to start off here with one because I think this is relevant to what I mentioned earlier with the the dice situation. Uh, Kill Panic says that he was at a store recently and talking to someone that got taken apart by a Black Order team. That player remarked that the game was no longer about skill, but just about who could throw the most dice. Given the MCP is a game of chance and that throwing more dice mitigates randomness, do you agree or disagree with this assertion? And Leland, I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Here's this. Is, this is probably going to be one of my hot potato takes here. Um, I think anyone who leans back and says that it is just a game about throwing dice at this point, uh, might have hit their skill ceiling. And that can be kind of a, a meaner root thing to say, but I think there is a lot more nuance to most war games that are being played. And it is always, 
it's always more than just throwing the buckets of dice. If throwing the buckets of dice is what was winning you games, we'd be seeing things like the rapid fire lists uh, tear up more uh, more scenarios. Uh, we'd be seeing a lot more like sort of uh, small like or wider attrition based teams. Uh, I believe like the thing is like we've seen the battleship meta and the battleship meta they weren't throwing more dice they were just throwing higher quality dice they were throwing the seven dice attacks from malkit they were throwing the seven dice attacks from immortal hulk the you know the six dice attacks from uh cgr so i think there's definitely a discussion to be had about the impact dice and the amount of dice and how they help sort of balance out the curve of everything but to say that that is what the game has kind of devolved into and we've hit this this point where it's just about the dice i think that's somebody kind of telling on themselves that basically says i have no interest in learning the the finer uh, aspects of the game i'm just going to overwhelm you with this one particular aspect and hope that you're not better than it yeah i think that's really fair i think that also a question like this and the way this is set up requires a little bit of context right so if someone was taken apart by a Black Order team, were they playing on Gamma and Legacy Virus? You know what I mean? Was it a setup that allowed for that Black Order team to shine? Were they playing something that was fighty, but less fighty than what a Black Order squad can do? You know, those are the kind of questions that I feel like need answering based on someone saying it's no longer about skill, right? Because... Ultimately, it is a skill to identify a matchup that you can punish, if you will. Punish is a strong word, I feel like, but identifying matchups is a skill. Identifying that, okay, Corvus and Proxima bullying this one character or these two characters over here on the side is going to set me up to win this matchup in the long term. Now, I do think there are right. characters that aren't aren't the best like you know if you're playing like corvus proxima and cosmic ghost rider i mean you're you're gonna be pretty deadly you know so is it is it bullied like in those terms but also like understanding you as the player playing into that what you need to do to try to mitigate what they're doing right like someone rolls up with a with a black order roster you see that and you're playing web warriors you're like okay cool i need to not give them access to my characters i need to try to get away from them as much as possible stick and move as much as possible and, and all that kind of stuff and identifying your ways to to mitigate that that's part of the skill you know yeah and it also comes down to target priority as well like if you run into a list that really relies on the on throwing just bucket loads of dice well know who your targets are know who you need to take out that's going to like sort of shut that that sort of daisy chain down right yeah um like for instance if you're getting eaten apart by like a corvus reality list and they're finding like proxima is the one who kind of gets corvus where he needs to be and everything like that well you know maybe maybe take out that piece take out so proxima so he doesn't get those double activations to to maybe chip off the last little bit of damage or you know if you're if you're playing into the traditional shield gunline list, you know take out uh, take out Dynamo so he can't mess with your with your dice economy. Mm -hmm. Like there, that's another part of the discussion right there is knowing who to take out, who to focus on, and it's not always the person throwing the it's not always the character that's throwing the most amount of dice. 
sometimes it's the character who's enabling that dice. Yeah. Exactly. And and then also you got to think about like the efficiency factor, right? Does Corvus have his glaze edge up? You know, is he counting blanks on on his attacks and stuff like that? Like those kind of things, it's not that he's throwing a boatload of dice. It's that he's making his dice better through his abilities. And that's how a lot of these characters are. You mentioned Malekith and, and his ability to count skulls and all of that stuff. It's not so, yes, he's throwing high dice pools. But like I said, and especially now with the changes to him, he's only getting his two actions. They're strong actions, but it's a dice game. And if you just happen to get deleted on a on a big roll, I mean, it just be like that sometimes. Dice are going to dice. But at the end of the day, like this weekend for me really kind of solidified, even if I didn't really have any issues with it before, but really solidified the notion of that it is a game of skill and that when you put yourself in a position to succeed and then the dice help you succeed, then that's okay. And if the, if the, your opponent puts themselves in a position to succeed and makes all the right choices, and then they have to make a dice roll because it is a dice game. You do have to roll dice and they have to make a dice roll and that dice roll pays off. That's epic and fun and exciting and we should be celebrating that kind of thing and i think most mcp players do but recognizing yeah. that that is a skill to put yourself into position for your dice to pay off is a skill yeah and it's all it's all varying levels of your understanding of that skill set and how you can implement it and I mean, from an outside perspective, it could it can sound like we're we're almost kind of harping on. It's like, well, you know, if you don't have that skill, you're gonna lose. Oh, no, you you still have you still have those opportunities and moments and whatnot. But the longer you play war games, and I'm gonna say this for any war game, you pick that skill up, exactly. and they're transferable. If you if you picked up that skill playing War Machine, it's gonna work here. If you picked up that skill in Warhammer, it's gonna work here. Like that is a very transferable skill for war gaming, and it's one that. Unfortunately, you can't really be taught it. It's something that just kind of comes with as you play more games. Exactly. And and that's it. It's just skill is a measure of experience in a lot of ways in any war game, especially Marvel Crisis Protocol. And, you know, I mentioned Judgment a, a couple times earlier. And when I played that game over the weekend, it was very clear that other players had more experience. I had to ask a ton of questions while I was playing everything. And they were so gracious such a great community and it ended up being a really fun experience for me as a newer player because I saw the skills that I could develop you know what I mean and I learned some of those skills in that game and my experience with MCP allowed me to kind of see certain things but it's still it's it's that game and learning it and all that stuff and and yeah I mean it's I think we spent a lot of time on this question at this point, but I think that the the idea that this game is no longer about skill, I think it there is a very high skill level here. You know what I mean in MCP. Yeah, yeah, and it's all going to come down to who you're playing with, what you're playing, and sort of your mindset going into it. Yeah, absolutely. So here's one that I think is. A really good question, and it's from Rob, and he says, what can we as a community do 
to help attract more female and female-identifying players to the game. Has the stigma of 40K neckbeards run the opposite sex away? And this is a, a wonderful question that I don't think two dudes can really answer, to be honest with you. But I wanted to well, bring this question. We're, ju- we're just embracing the history of uh, of uh, white maleness, right? <laughs> right, right. No, it's it's one of those things where this is a question that I think we as a community need to have. When we, when we look around the shop or or wherever it is that, that you're playing your games, how can we help grow this community? Not just to bring in more people that look like us, but to bring in more women more people of color, all kinds of different things. You know, it's one of those things where I think that just having an eye for trying to be an accepting and open community is something that we can do. And this is a question that I want to take a look at another time um, with some different guests, because again, I, I don't think that how can we attract more people of, you know, different genders and, different um, races and ethnicities, I don't think you and I are really fit to have that conversation other than just to be welcoming and kind and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right. Although I will give one piece of advice, especially when it comes to trying to make um, uh, more more women and uh, uh, female identifying individuals comfortable with it, is uh, to, to, to shake your head. Your eyes are stuck. Don't stare at them. Don't, don't be that guy. Yeah. Right. Like they, they are just, they're just, they're just cool individuals who want to come in and play a cool game. Don't make them feel awkward. And honestly, I think that's as far as I'm allowed to really say on the matter. Yes. Um, Because any, anything, anything more is just me trying to, you know, to use a term I hate. It's just me trying to mansplain the situation. Um, But yeah, just. Don't don't do the weird stuff that makes people feel uncomfortable. If you didn't, if you don't want to have somebody stare at you all the time, don't stare at them. And I'm not saying every every single war gamer does this, but it's a very common occurrence. I've seen it many times where you know a, a, a woman will work walk into the back room of a game store to to throw down some dice, and all of a sudden you'll just see half a dozen heads just kind of churn and look. Yeah, and just all I can say is, is don't 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 be that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah don't be a creep. It's that simple. But just, you know, again, just be welcoming. You know what I mean? Like, people are there to play and have fun. So, anyways, next question comes from you, Leland. Why don't you read this question out? Yeah, how, how close to an event would be too close to implement wide-ranging changes such as those from Ministravaganza? So, the the re- when you asked this question, it was right after Ministravaganza. So, I think that that context is important. And they had an effective change date. However... Let's say that they didn't put an effective change date in something. I think that you've kind of got to give people a week or two at least. Like so like if if I'm having an event the weekend after some big announcement happened, say on a Wednesday, that is not nearly enough time in my humble opinion to say here we go in in big changes. Like if you ban or restrict a single card, then sure let that be implemented as long as again there's no defined date but if if you're doing something like what they did at mini stravaganza we've got all these character rebalances all this different stuff changing i think you've 
got to give it at least a week before you can can really feel confident uh, that you're giving your players the best opportunity to succeed. I, I agree completely. And this is something that um, we've seen a lot in the Warhammer community lately as well, where um, like uh, Games Workshop has been a lot more proactive about putting out updates uh, and adjustments and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of the major tournaments have basically said, it's like, you know, these have to be in effect for at least, I think they've been saying at least two weeks before they'll they'll make it into a major event. And that's just to give the dust time to settle, basically. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, like some of these changes can really be a massive upheaval for like how you play, what might've been a linchpin in, in your particular way of building your squad, your roster, your list, whatever. So having that time to actually get it back on the table and realize, oh, this this doesn't work anymore, or you know, maybe maybe there's a slightly better combination you can you now have access to. Uh, it's important to have that that time. Yeah, yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. So yeah, I think that's a good one there. So the next one is from Fly and Ryan. He says, "Do you think the way Longshanks has it for tiebreakers is good? Should strength of schedule be number one?" And we've had this discussion before, uh, I know, with Merzane and stuff like that. And this is one where I think it's fine. I don't love it because it, for someone like me who dropped and let's say Vince goes on to play well, well, if he ends up being like the X and one player, like, and they do a top cut, then conceivably he could be out because my drop hurts his strength of schedule. So when it comes to strength of schedule, I think there's ways to improve it. But in terms of should it be number one, I I just don't see what should be better. Like score, the amount of victory points scored doesn't feel appropriate, you know, for this game, especially. So, so I I don't know. I'm, I'm going to push back and I, I can already hear both Merzane and shadow Marvel typing away at this point. Uh, I think victory points should be the the primary one. Uh, I feel that strength of schedule, it puts too much of your tiebreaker onus on the random draw of who you've been paired with. I do not like that at all. I I would much prefer any tiebreaker to be stuff that it, it is within your control. And victory points is something, as far as like all the potential tiebreakers, that's more in your control than any other tiebreaker. Uh, that's that's available on long shanks. You can actively work to try and get more points. You can recognize in the game, well, hey, maybe I'm not doing so well in this game. I'm going to try and get as many victory points as I can, even though I know I'm still probably going to go down. Or if you're winning the game, you can say, well, I, I want to try and get as many victory points as I can because I know I'm in a, I'm in a very strong, uh, strong seat or strong bracket. I absolutely hate the fact that you can play your first round against somebody who then might go on to lose every single round and then you're punished for it at the end. Maybe you, maybe you lose one of the, the top cut or something like that because your strength of schedule is just, it's weaker than the person who happened to get paired against somebody who lost their first, but then won every other game after that. Um, yeah. So I, I really dislike strength of schedule. I think it, I think it punishes players for something that is out of their control. And I think that's really fair. And that's what I'm kind of getting at when I think it's like, should it be number one or, or is it, is it a good thing? It's just, I feel like to your point of like what you can versus can't control is the way victory points are scored in this game. And the way that you do have an attrition option, it's 
harder to achieve, but you do have an attrition option. And if you table your opponent and you only scored three victory points, but they scored 14, and then at the end of the game, they end up like y'all end up with the same records. I said game, but at the end of the event, y'all end up with the same record and only one of you can go to the top cut or whatever. Then like is victory points a fair measure in that instance? And I'm not trying to say I have the answer to that. And I'm not asking if you have the answer to that, but I'm just saying like, I think that those situations make things awkward. And I don't think that, I don't think MCP has a way that isn't awkward, whether you use strength of schedule or VPs. And and I haven't played in an event where VPs was the tiebreaker, so I don't know if it would be better. I'd be willing to try an event like that, though. Yeah, I mean, and that's and you kind of hit the nail on the head there. There is no perfect method for it. You're going to get a lot of personal takes. You're going to get a lot of personal opinions on it. And here's the thing. I've heard very strong arguments in favor of strength of schedule. Like both, um, like Merzane has spent a lot of time uh, talking to me about like, like just on your, on the discord about why strength of schedule might be a little bit stronger. Same with, uh, same with Nagoldar has also mentioned that as well. So like I acknowledge there, there is a strong argument for it. Um, it's just, yeah, I think, I think it really comes down to the personal preference on, on what you want to see as the primary tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, man. So, next question we've got here is from Lou the Lunatic. What ability would you like to see on another Tactus card for Defenders or another affiliation that's lagging cards? So, out of all the affiliations, I think Defenders is the one that is lacking cards the most because they literally only have one affiliated card. I'm not sure about any other affiliation that is... is kind of in the same card situation they are um leland can you think of another affiliation that obviously not just one card but like that only has a couple of cards spider foes maybe they have sinister traps mm. and hellfire club yeah hellfire club's another yep. one um but what ability would i like to see on a card for defenders is maybe something like this leland where you know with Midnight Suns, you have Siege of Darkness, and Wakanda, you have Wakanda Forever, and how those are all offensive abilities. I think for defenders, it'd be cool if you had something where each person could spend a power to maybe gain access to blanks that round, or something. That might be too good, but it's like, okay, cool, for this whole round, or for this instance, or whenever a character is attacked, if they've got a friend within range three, that friend can contribute one defense die to their to their defense role for this. Or something like that. You know what I mean? Like something to where I know that it's defenders and they're not necessarily a defensive-minded team, but I think it could be really cool to have something around a defensive mechanic in the game that kind of Im- encourages that team play like those Midnight Suns and Wakanda and even all webbed up like with Web Warriors, how that's a that's kind of a team play type of card. I, I think stuff like that would be really cool. Yeah, I I would actually like to see something that uh, really encourages them to work together as well. Uh, actually, something like a joint effort, like we just saw joint effort come out with the new the new mm-hmm. core box. Um, so, I mean, for, for context, what that is, is you can play the card and basically you'll get extra dice for every, uh, I think it's for every uh, allied character within range two of the target. Um, so, so something like that for the defenders, maybe not quite to that that level, 
but just something that really encourages you to kind of work together as a team that maybe synergizes a little bit with like the Marvel Knights uh, leadership to it. Uh, and just kind of really encourages that these are these are a bunch of like street level heroes and brawlers and uh, they're they're used to kind of working in in these sort of confines. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So next question we have here is from Bits. Is Electra finally good? Yes. I mean, I think she's good as a, is maybe not where I would put her, but I think she's usable in the right circumstances whereas previously she was borderline unusable i i'm actually gonna double down on my yes i think uh i think what was really holding electra back was that power generation uh she just was getting so little of it like she she basically had uh like an almost a mini version of stun on her because she was never getting more than one power unless she was getting punched uh or some other game game state effect was taking place now that she actually has that extra power that she can generate relatively easily. I mean, she's got that range three mystic with Pierce, which is absolutely fantastic. That's that's going to gain her power every single time and probably gain her too because of that Pierce. She can get a lot of her kit online. She now actually has the ability to, you know, make an attack, do that, uh, do that assassin step to get within range. If she has the extra five power, she can then stab them. Like she, yeah, she just, so much more of her kit has been turned on just through the fact that she has that gainer on her attack now. Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with you that I think she's, she's much more accessible and uh, it's one of those things where I've only had her on the tabletop once since the changes and she was fine. And I'm trying to figure out ways to get her more involved in my squad building. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I like what she's got going on, you know? So uh, next up bits also asked this question and I love this. I love the fun questions. If Thanos was a flavored soda, what flavor would he be? Bonus points for not saying grape. So Leland, what you got? Dr. Pepper, yo. Dr. Pepper. See, I was going to go with Mr. Pib. <laughs> Funny story. Mr. Pib is just a uh, off-brand version of Dr. Pepper. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think he's definitely he's Mr. He's the Pib. RC Cola. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the royal crown cola <laughs> the royal crown of cola no so i don't know if you ever seen this movie it's called hell or high water and the it's a really really great movie if you've never seen it i highly recommend it and there's a actor in that movie, ben foster and his character they're at a restaurant and he asks for dr pepper and they say we only have mr pib and his response is well only assholes drink mr pib <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that line so good. It's it's so good. Like as someone who grew up actually liking Mr. Pib, like it's it was just one of those moments where I was just like, oh, this is great. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So anywho, anywho. Uh Rob says, of all the models previewed core two through Asgard in the spoiler channel which the, we have a spoiler channel on Discord that collects all the spoilers from MCP, which model gets your creative painting juices flowing? Which model misses the mark? Or if they're all good in your opinion, which do you least want to paint? So Leland, I'm going to let you start with this one just because you, you do paint more than I do. <laughs> but uh, I do have some thoughts. Uh, the, the one that I'm looking forward to the most is actually Scarlet Spider. 
Uh, I think the the pose, the dynamic pose of the model just is really exciting. I think the fact that he's primarily like a red jumpsuit with a blue hoodie uh, creates some interesting uh, some interesting avenues to explore for you know getting getting the highlights on, trying to get those different tones on it. So I, I really, really am looking forward to uh, to Scarlet Spider in that regard. As far as one that I'm really not looking forward to, uh, I, I don't care for the new Loki. I don't care really? for that look. I've always hated that look of Loki. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. It's a lot of yellow. So yeah. it's it's not even the yellow. I just I think he harkens back to a really goofy age of comics that I've never personally liked or identified with. Um, so I, I just I don't care for I know so many people are excited for it. Uh I'm not one of them. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So I've got a couple here. So I'm with you. Scarlet Spider. Y'all, y'all heard me say this for a while. If you're new here, Ben Riley is the best Spider-Man. It's just, it's just facts. And uh, this model looks incredible. It's got ankle pouches. I just, I'm so excited to get this model. And this is one where it will be assemble paint immediately. Even though I don't paint very often, you can rest assured, it's one that will get painted. So in terms of gets my creative juices flowing. I'm not going to deviate from from what is actually shown on the sculpt here in the, the painted studio paint job, just because that's how I view Scarlet Spider. But in terms of something that gets my creative juices flowing, I actually think his box mate in Gwenham is really cool because I, I've been toying with like different color variations for like symbiotes and stuff. And the way I did my Agent Venom is like I painted him in like black and white. And then I did like this translucent, the transparent paint from the Pro Acryl line of purple all over him and stuff. So it's kind of functionally, I guess, like a speed paint, but it's not. And it looks really cool. It has like a really nice sheen to it. So I really like that. And then thirdly, creative juices flowing just in so far as something I'm going to do is with Silver Sable, I'm going to bust out my chrome paint because that's always super fun. You know, I'll, I'll look interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, she's in a chrome suit, honestly. So uh, in terms of like, just kind of, I love Shang-Chi. I think the Shang-Chi model looks great, but like that's super vanilla to me. So I'm not like excited to paint that model. You It'll know? be a good palette cleanser. Yeah. And then I completely disagree with you on Loki in that that model looks dope. And the idea of that like whimsical Jack Kirby Thor time frame, like I grew up on that because my uncle was super into that. So he got me a bunch of those comics from back in the day. And so like I see that, I'm like, yes. Yeah. And then that's that's a kind of exactly what I was getting at when I said, like, look, there are people who are gonna be excited for it. I'm just not one of them. And if and if that does excite you, awesome. I am so happy for for you if uh, if that's what you're looking for. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to rain on anyone's parade. Well, it sounds like you are Leland. <laughs> well, fine. Maybe I'll just lean into it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's that one. I love that one. I'm going to skip your question here about Jackbot guests because I don't think I can answer that question. Uh, cause I want everybody to play Jackbox. Rob says <laughs> best sauce for chicky tendies. And uh, that would be no sauce. It's a seasoning. You just put seasoning on it. Don't do sauces. It's, uh, that's an interesting take. 
I uh, can't say I've ever really had well-seasoned chicken tenders. I, I love a good honey garlic personally, but. Yeah, I, that's, I respect it. I, respect, I like the, I just like, I don't like wet sauces on my chicken tenders. I, I prefer like, like, you know, get a little spicy seasoning on there and it's, it's real, real good. So. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I feel that way about my chicken wings. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So uh, Dennis asks a really good question here. What are the more beginner friendly affiliations and what are the more advanced play affiliations? So this is a very, I think, actually big question that has a lot of nuance, but I want to kind of give just a couple answers for each one. So beginner friendly affiliations. I think Avengers, obviously. Avengers and Cabal, core box, both core box one and Earth's Mightiest, very beginner friendly for in a base level, even with the issues that is currently on Red Skull 3's uh, timing and everything, but just don't worry about that. So I think that for the beginner friendly stuff. And then Leland, do you have any other ones that you think are beginner friendly other than those two? Uh, I think you could make an argument for um, for Guardians kind of some beginner friendly aspects to, to it. I think it's a very it's a very low skill floor. It's very easy to get into Guardians and kind of do decently these days because they have a lot of very strong tools attached to them. I agree. Um, but to re- but to really do really well with them, it has a very high skill ceiling. So it kind of it kind of goes for both. You know, easy to get into, hard to master type thing, right? Yeah. No, and I completely agree. I think that uh, Guardians is one that is is low barrier to entry to kind of understand what you need to do and then has a lot of depth as you get further into it. Yeah. And I think there's an argument even for, uh, especially now, X-Men Blue. Oh, I, yeah. I think it's the, yeah, I think it's one of those things where if you're playing X-Men Blue, it's a very simple leadership to understand. It's like, oh, hey, I did damage. Okay, I'm going to give a power to this, this MOOC over here. Um, and they have a lot of they have a lot of straightforward pieces that have a lot of room to grow uh, to grow as you become more skilled with the game. Yeah, I think that's also very fair. Uh, what about you for advanced play affiliations? Uh, I'm going to go with Shield. I think Shield is one of those rosters that uh, if you pick it up and you don't really have an idea on what you're doing, it is going to be a very punishing list to play. Um, it's one of those ones where you you need to know what your response to certain objectives are, to certain uh, threats across the table. And if you don't build those into your roster, you don't know how to handle it. Or even if you have a hard time sort of pivoting on the spot, uh, it is going to be a roster that uh, you m- might not have fun playing as a result. Yeah. You know, I think Shield's a really great answer there. I think that the the difference between high and low level skill play shield skill play is is legit like shield's a hard one to pick up and other than like keep fury alive so you can do eye on the sky there's so much nuance to it and uh, i'm right there with you another one i think that is probably a little bit more advanced is i've got two i think web warriors is a little bit more advanced like i think that the the idea of picking up web warriors and and doing just their reroll stuff and all that stuff's great. But once you start to get into the like, all right, do I have to roll dice here? Do I want to roll dice? Do I need to just grab and go? And and then you've got people like Aaron who have taken the I want to roll all the dice and I want to beat you up web warriors. Like there's a lot of different ways to play that. And I think that that makes them a little bit more advanced as you get into them. And then 
Well, you with Web Warriors, you also have to fight the urge to punch everything, right? You have to yes. know when to roll dice. Exactly. Um, and 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 in the game where the whole idea is rolling dice to punch the other guy, like not doing that feels very counterintuitive. It really does. And then the other one for me, and it's, it's probably not a surprise to anyone, is I think Convocation is an extremely advanced affiliation to play because of the way their tactics cards work and interact, because of the way that the leadership works and interacts. It is the only leadership in the game that has two separate effects that you have to choose before the round starts. So the way that all works and having that extra tactics card slot, quote unquote, and all of that, it, they are a hard and complex affiliation to play and to play well. But when they are played well, it, it's a very fun and exciting thing to see, in my humble opinion. So, and, and yeah, to, no, you know, no, I, I, I think I think both of those are really excellent options. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Convocation is one of those things. Like I, I will admit, I struggle with convocation. I, uh, it does not grok for me. <laughs> so, anyone, <laughs> yeah. anyone who knows how to play it and play it well, they, they got, they got some respect for me on that one. Yeah, no, it's it's a legit thing. But before we move on to our next question, though, Leland, I do want to go ahead and say, though, that I think that what is advanced or beginner to me might not be advanced or beginner to you out there listening. I think that this it's obviously subjective because this is a podcast, but I think that anyone that is new to this game or maybe you've got those core boxes and you're wanting to branch out and saying, well, I want I'm still kind of a beginner. I don't know what to play, blah, blah, blah. Pick your favorite characters and play that. And just say, right on. you know, like, like I want to play Doctor Strange. So go grab your Doctor Strange box and just see. And it's one of those things where it might not grok for you, but there's only one way to try it. And that is to try it. You know what I mean? Like hearing me say that convocation is difficult. Well, it might totally line up for what you want to play hearing me say that web warriors is a bit advanced in the nuances within that affiliation. Well, for you, it might be perfectly makes sense. Like, yeah, okay. I don't want to roll attack dice. Cause all I ever do is whiff these attacks. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, no, makes perfect sense. Play, play, play who excites you. Exactly. That's the best way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Merzane says, can either of you teach me how to Dougie? No, I cannot. I cannot teach you how to Dougie. Teach you, teach you how to Dougie. I I don't even know what this is. What what's that? What's a Dougie? Just just Google it. Just Google teach me how to Dougie, and you'll see the dance. <laughs> and and yeah. Oh, is is this one of those like weird Fortnite dances? I mean, I'm. It was around before Fortnite was a thing, but Fortnite certainly took it. You know. Fair enough. I just yeah. blame all sort of weird viral dances on Fortnite these days. Yeah. I, I've I've hit that age. Yep, yeah, makes sense. So I, I, I will say this. I can teach you how to Bernie. If you want to do the Bernie, I can Bernie. So there's that, you know, which again, I, I, I can, te- I can teach you the bus driver. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so let's see. Next question here is Landon says, what's an affiliation or leadership that you put on the table? And despite going in really excited for it, you were instantly like, this isn't fun. I don't like this. And for reference, he found out really fast that he did not enjoy Star-Lord's winging it. This is an interesting question, Leland, because there's a lot of different affiliations and leaderships. And like when it comes to the, the leadership ability specifically, 
I haven't had one where I was like, this isn't working for me other than like Hellfire Club. I haven't been able to like make it understand in my brain yet, but it's also a function of reps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, do you have anything like that? Uh, so before the change, actually, X-Men Blue. I really liked the idea of uh, of Cyclops's leadership. I thought it was a very fascinating one. The idea that you can pull power to to help make your your own uh, spender attacks be more or be cheaper to to play individually. Uh, I really love the idea about it. But like once getting it on the table, I mean, this it's obviously a reason why they changed it. It was just it was too restrictive. I didn't feel that it was a letting me do what the leadership was trying to get me to do. Yeah. And and I'm right there with you. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah X Men Blue OG, but now it's kind of like uh, it's a little. Oh yeah, now now it's a whole new story. X Men Blue is like very exciting to play. Exactly. So yeah, I mean I mean if I were if I were to choose like a modern one, um, honestly I haven't had fun with uh, with Black Order. Yeah, I don't enjoy the Black Order leadership. I don't like the fact that it changes when Thanos flips. Uh, and it just i it it really pushes a certain play style which i get that's that's what they were trying to do with with the thanos black order and all that sort of stuff um and as much as i i like being the guy going around with like the the models punching other models and all this sort of stuff for whatever reason i just i whenever i play thanos black order it's just kind of like ah, i'm not really i'm not really having fun with this because everything is geared towards one style of play yeah and the leadership doesn't help you to pivot at all yeah no, I'm I'm right there with you. So, and, and that's the thing. Like this, this answer is going to be completely different for everyone. Of like, this just doesn't vibe. Like most people probably like the winging it tokens, but you know, not everybody. Uh, another well, one that is La- having... La- Landon could be a mad lad, and he might like the original winging it tokens. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, so another one that I can say is is not great, and it's I've played it a few times. I've played two affiliations a few times that traditionally don't have the best of leadership options and that would be sin cabal that leadership does not work right it just doesn't and then the winter guard is a very meh leadership in a lot of ways so so those are two that i think it's just it's a power level question maybe versus the characters and all that stuff but like you know those are two that it's it's interesting because I, I want to push back a little bit on the Winter Guard. I actually have a lot of fun with the Winter Guard one simply because all of those annoying little status conditions that usually get in the way of me having fun with my models. Yeah, I don't fair. care. Yeah. You staggered me. I don't care. Go away. Right. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Sin Cabal, though. She needs some help. That, that's that's a tough one i really thematically i really like what they did with it but getting that thing to work on paper is just oh you you are you are praying to rngs on that one indeed indeed so the next question we have here and we're, we're running out of time funnily enough this is from out of time chase in your time playing what have been some of the craziest interactions you've seen that made you go wait that allows you to do what? And well, I mean, I played this one game where Kingpin just kept reducing damage. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, if you just do that, 
You can just you just do that, right? You just do that. Yeah, apparently if you cheat, you're just awesome, right? <laughs> apparently, apparently. Uh, for me, the the interaction that always and I've I think I've said this before that throws people for a loop is the the you have to land in a place where you can land when you throw a character, right? So like you have to land in like the last legal position. And if you're like throwing someone off a building into somebody, but they can't completely go like to where their their base is touching and they're like, they'd be overlapping the building a little bit. Then you have to put them back on the building. Like that's the one that's super weird or like, oh yeah, I have to go through my model because you ignore the character doing the throw in order to get a throw to work. And, and like those kind of weird interactions are the ones that really blow my mind. I, I think the one that always gets me is uh, the nested activations of of some triggers and events. Oh, my God. And like the, Medusa back the in the one, day? Well, the one that actually really blew my mind is I'm pretty sure I was watching one of your TTS games where uh, Angela made an attack and she got the angelic assassin in there. So she managed to get like the other the additional move and the additional attack and all that sort of stuff. Um, which then went into another Xyphos, which also has a place on top of it all. And just watching how everything sort of like nested and eventually sort of reactivated. So like there was an instance where like Angela got all like almost halfway across the board, but then because yeah. then the very final, the very final trigger for the Xyphos in the place all of a sudden hits and all of a sudden she just springs all the way back to almost where she started. Uh, yeah, that was again against Nate a long time ago. And I'm pretty sure it was on the Wakandan herbs mission. And I was like, okay, I'm safe over here in this in this spot on this place. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and Angela, yeah, just, it was just, yeah, and it yeah. blew my mind. And I started, I started looking at about a, a whole, uh, just like how all these sort of nested interactions and activations work. And I mean, a, a little part of me gets frustrated with it because I think AMG can make those a lot clearer in the way they write their rules, um, even if they just wrote them as like bullet points. But it's it's insane how how that can happen. And if you throw that against somebody who's not aware of it i mean i i would i think they'd be totally justified in calling a judge over because like they'd be looking and go it's like what the hell did you just do yeah oh yeah uh, all the nested <laughs> stuff is super weird the idea that quicksilver can just continuously punch you and move around and all that stuff is just I, I can't with that because one, he always triggers it like four times whenever I'm playing against a Quicksilver. It's like, oh, cool. He's four dice. Well, here comes velocity again. Here comes the, the other one again, whatever it's called. And just just makes my head spin, literally. So, yeah, that's a good one, dude. So, uh, yeah. The next question here is Merzane says, when is the next HPP Epic Gamers League? So, that's something that I want to kick off at some point. But with entering holiday season and everything, I, I kind of want to wait until after maybe the first of the year to do another one, just because I don't want to interfere with, with having someone to cancel because of a holiday interaction or something like that. And I worry that we're approaching the time of year when that kind of thing would happen. So uh, let me know what you guys think. You know, that's that's one of those where you send me the message and let me know what you think there. And then we got Chris from Fury's Finest says, can we call Steve 3 Wild Steve? I approve of this message. Also, Chris, we missed you at Warfare Weekend, buddy. Why, why not uh, Why not uh, Steve 3, but like the 3 is the E, you know, oh. how they did with Fantastic Four and oh. Van Forstick. And Mithrigan. 
<laughs> Have you seen that? Like, go to Amazon Prime and try to pull up that movie. It is literally Mithrigan. Ah, oh, it's the, the idea of putting numbers for letters is just that. That is that is the <laughs> the deep internet. That is that is leet speak coming back to haunt us. Oh, I love it so much. Fanforistic, all that stuff. It just it makes me so happy. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm super here for for Wild Steve or or Stif three. Stif three. I don't know. See that one doesn't work as much. Streve. 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 I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're, we're losing the plot here, man. Yeah, We're losing the plot. We're losing the plot. OK, so um, the the last question we're going to do today is one that um, we're going to go with Jakara here. He says, is there an affiliation that you wish was in the game but isn't? And of course, he says, besides Fantastic Four, but I'm going to reset it anyways. Reset that clock. Well, I mean, it just, it wouldn't be you if you didn't ask for the Fantastic Four, right? Exactly. Anyways, what do you think, Leland? Is there someone you wish was in the game as an affiliation that is not? Alpha Flight. You know what? I should have seen that coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on, man. Give me, give me my crazy French Canadian puck. Give me the, the, the Sasquatch. You know, even give me the really weird one. There, there's, there's a, uh, there's like a cowboy type hero who just like he's on Alpha Flight. He shoots guns, and his horse has all the magical powers. Yeah, no, it's fair. <laughs> yeah, give me that shenanigans, right? Like, just, <laughs> I love give, it. Give me Alpha Flight. I, I'm, I'm gonna go find me some chick, and I'm gonna like browbeat him into giving me Alpha Flight. Yeah, you should do it. I, I approve. For me, it's since I can't choose the one I want, it is definitely like a symbiotes affiliation like i would love to see a, another version of eddie brock as like his king in black type thing or even to bring in null as the king in black which we already have threat issues at times in this game so if you bring in a character like null and he's not at least a seven threat then that would i feel like be doing a disservice to the character with that being said though i would love to see an affiliation a symbiote affiliation thing do you, uh, do you think we ever get the Eternals? Maybe, but it, it's, I don't know. I don't, it's, do do I, I care? I'm not advocating for them for the record. I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I kind of don't care about Eternals, so maybe we do. I know Marvel was pushing them for a while there, so, you know, maybe MZP is, is a part of that push. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, for me, it's symbiotes. It's a, it's a very... It's a very deep well that they can draw on. Like, it there's really lots is. that we can possibly see here. I mean, we could. There's still how many other X teams are there that we could go with? Like, there's there's like the the what is it the the Great Lakes Avengers? We could see like a sort of like become a little bit more codified and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and, and West Coast Mojo Avengers. <laughs> Give us Mojo World. Mojo World. Yes, let's do that. I mean, that should be an affiliation when it happens. But, uh, yeah, this, but yeah. uh, what is it? The um, uh, the Windjammers. Oh yeah, the, yes, yeah, the Star Jammers. You mean Star Jammers? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Wind Jammers is something else. Yeah, the Star Jammers. There we go. Yeah, that's that's uh, Cyclops's dad. So yeah, yep. I'm about that life. So I, I think that again, there's a deep, deep well of characters and affiliations they can pull from, and you know, we just mentioned a few here. And if like the Shi'ar Empire, they have their like the Shi'ar Royal Guard with like Guardian and all that stuff. Like I don't know if that's what they're called or not, but you know, those characters like. 
all that stuff. Like there's so many different affiliations and characters and stuff that we haven't even scratched the surface of. And we were having this discussion in discord not that long ago about like MCP shelf life. And I think that due to the fact that there is so much out there in the Marvel universe, I think that we aren't even close no, they they have they have content for years if they really want it. Basically, it's as long as Marvel continues to want to be give them the license, right? Exactly, exactly. So I lied. There's actually one more question I want to do, Leland, and it's one that I I think it's a really good question based on this past weekend, Warfare weekend, right? Thirty two players, some pretty good players. You know, Aaron from uh, Infamous uh, Podcast was there. You got uh, some people from the Alfredo team there. All that stuff. So, you know, me and Nate were there, whether we're good or not is, is up for debate. I know Nate's better than me, but that's irrelevant. A question, and this is from Brian Freddie. a question I've been thinking about for quite a bit. He says, a while ago, you had discussions about not feeling like there's a defined meta in MCP. Do you still feel like this is the case after a lot of the changes that have been made slash after CGR's release, gems being unrestricted, etc. And I think overall, broadly speaking, very broad, yeah, I kind of don't think there is a defined meta. And and I I know there are people listening to this podcast that are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. Warfare Weekend as an example, you know how many X-Men players there were? And I said not that long ago that I think X-Men are awesome. But do you know how many X-Men players there were, Leland? I, I haven't looked at the numbers, so I'm going to wager a guess because you're asking me then say like zero. Zero. And if you just asked me two weeks ago, if you expect to see a bunch of X-Men players and have a plan for that, I would have said, yes, I need to have a plan for X-Men. So... In terms of defined meta of what you can expect to see at an event, yes, there were some Malekits. I think they had there were two or three Malekits. There were three, maybe four people that had CGR. I'm not sure exactly how many it was. I, I could be wrong. I could look at the data, but I'm not. I'm not going to bother with that right now. But the point is, if you go to an event and and you're teched out for Hulk, CGR, Mal. There's a non-zero chance that you don't even see those models. I didn't see a CGR. I didn't see a Mal. I didn't see a Hulk. Now, granted, I had a Hulk, but it was one of those things where I didn't play into any of that. And so when you look, think about the word meta, and especially as Brian Freddy asked this question here of, is there a defined meta? I truly, truly do not think there is with the the final caveat to all of this though is there is a defined meta in your local scene which you know where you play leland i'm sure you play people that have their favorites and that are going to to play shield right you play shield so your meta your your meta insofar as like your local community contains a pretty high level shield player in yourself, right? My local meta does not contain a high level shield player. It contains a high level X-Men player. 
So, so I, I, I feel like I kind of want to push back a little bit on this one because I, I feel like the discussion is being framed almost like the, the meta is you expect a certain roster to show up type thing. Like there's like, these are the things that sort of like define how you play. And I think how I want to push back in that is that we do actually have uh, a defined meta going on. It's just not in the traditional sense. It's not one roster or one squad that that picks up and and defines how everything plays. Whereas rather it's a series of characters that no matter what we're doing, we have to be prepared to see them. We might not, but we need to be prepared to see them. Um, and up until mini stravaganza, uh, it was very much, we always had to have an answer for Mal. We always had to have an answer for CGR and we had to have an answer for for Storm X-Men, for Guardians of the Galaxy. And those are the sort of meta-defining aspects of, of the game that we always need to be mindful of when we're building our own squad or roster. Regardless of whether or not we see them, they are influencing the way we, we build our rosters, we build our lists, what characters we choose, and what tactics cards we bring in. I think that's a really fair assessment. With that being said, I think that... The idea that you've got to have a plan for for six different things for for uh, Storm X Men not so much now but just so you got to have a plan for X Men you got to have a plan for Mal you got to have a plan for CGR well each of those plans is different and so trying to make a plan for all of that stuff it's it's the classic questions versus answers right do you bring questions to the event that your opponents have to answer. Or do you bring answers to all of the possible questions that could be asked of you at an event? And and this is, I think we could actually probably do a whole show on this question, you know, honestly. But it's one of those things where I wanted to let this be our last question so that it could simmer with the suits out there for a little while. Because while I do agree with you in how you are approaching an event and this is i think again when you're looking at a competitive event saying what is the thing that i have to prepare for but does that mean that you're gonna put that like 10th tactics card slot in there like for me i had double agent in my list for a while and i took it out for fallback or whatever and it's like okay fallback is my answer to insert character right or sacrifice is my answer to insert thing and having those kind of questions with yourself it's like but only if i see this thing so is that defining the meta or is that just like a okay you know you're just kind of having this thing in your back pocket and that's a question that i don't think i can answer really but in terms of just like the overall meta i think it's more about like what happens on the local level than the broader mcp and people like you and me leland we're we're pretty tapped in so our viewpoint and our our interactions with communities and with this game are going to be different than a person at the shop that doesn't absorb the kind of content that we absorb and that doesn't travel to events like you and I might travel to events. You know what I mean? Their perspective is going to be different. Yeah, no, and I, I totally get that. There's there's the local meta and then the more more overarching uh, meta to it all. Um, I think the problem really comes down to how you define the meta. Like is, is the meta set pieces or is the meta overall design concepts? Um, and I, I think this is something that we really need to applaud AMG for because of the way 
roster building works and that any character is available to any roster, it actually really helps keep the game from becoming that that very defined these are the specific characters that will dominate the meta this is the specific roster that will dominate the meta it's it's so open that we have a very broad meta that exists in this game Mm -hmm. um which i still think that there's certain characters that warp it and shape it uh but there's there's so many factors to it that outside of those half dozen instances it's just more like okay well you know, just, just be ready. Pivot, right? Pivot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the point where we're going to, we're going to have to stop here because we're running super long and everything, but suits, let us know what you think about this question and any of the other questions that we've posed here, because I want to hear from the community. I want to hear what y'all think about the meta about the the tactics cards discussions about all of this different stuff. So you can do that. Send us messages at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Feel free to DM me on discord with your thoughts. We also have a show question discussion and a feedback discussion part on our discord channel, which is house party protocol discord. And if you want access to that, you check out patreon.com slash house party protocol. There's a link in the description for this podcast and for as little as a dollar a month which is 12 bucks a year you can come and hang out in the best discord channel on the internet i love it so much it's it's a really wonderful community very thoughtful lots of good q and a's lots of good tactics discussion lots of good just chit chat about all manner of things as well as mcp over there so come check that out i really love it and you can let us know over there what you think of this episode and uh, some answers to these questions. And then uh, also leave messages on Facebook. I'll answer those as well. And you can comment on any post I make with some feedback there. So make sure to do all of that stuff. And then also I want to remind uh, people out there that if uh, you are part of our Patreon program and you're a Mark V patron, make sure that your Discord reflects that you're a mark five supporter because we do have some additional benefits for that mark five level and so i want to make sure that everyone that's a part of that is getting the benefits that they are owed so if you have any issues with that if you feel like you're missing something if you're not a part of the mark five section of the discord which it's you know don't worry it's not some super special secret thing it's just literally one extra channel that we ask uh, some questions about the mark five people from time to time so you can, if you want that and you are a Mark V supporter and you don't have that, reach out, let me know, and we'll get it sorted out. And so, uh, so yeah, uh, Leland, where can people find you? So I am, uh, I am online as Aegis Brand Studios. Uh, so uh, YouTube is, is where I put all the battle reports out there, character profile, stuff like that. Uh, otherwise, I spend most of my time hanging out on your Discord. Uh, I've been a member of it for for a couple of years now, and it is a it is an online home away from home, which uh, it's always lots of fun. Uh, alternatively, uh, Facebook, Ages Brand Studios on Facebook as well. Like you can find me anywhere on most social media. Heck yeah, do that. And then uh, lastly, I want to give a, a shout out. Check out BattleKiwi.com and use the code Party Kiwi 
and get 10% off your first order with them. I was able to kind of rub elbows with some other uh, accessory creators at the Warfare weekend, so we might have some more uh, stuff to talk about with that, which I'm excited. I bought a like a storage box thing from from these guys. It's awesome. It holds every MCP character card and every tactics card with room to grow that's been in the game so far. So I'm really loving that. And it's it's got a spot for like these tokens that it's, you know, like I keep all my stuff I use in my battle box, right? But this thing has room for like those tokens that you might not use. So like the the tokens for Modoc mind games, right? Like I don't play Modoc very often and I don't need to carry those tokens around with me everywhere, but I do want a place to put them so I have a place in this new box I bought. It's just a cool thing and I'm I'm working on talking with them about different stuff, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, we hopefully are going to get some new merch coming soon, just waiting on, on the artist situation to sort itself out. So uh, yeah, if anybody knows any artists out there, hit me up and we will get cracking on some of that because I am I am not art uh aligned <laughs> I, i'm not i am not that person so I, I know the feeling yeah so uh anyways with that party on leland party on will and power down suits <laughs>